Rose. Welcome to another episode of Unpublished. My name is Amy. I'm James. And today we're going to be doing a Q&A session um, with an accumulative bunch of beautiful questions that we've received on our new Instagram platform, Unpublished Podcast, and a few questions that were submitted to me on a Q&A I did the other day but never got around to answer. Shall we dive in? James? Yeah, definitely. Um, first of all, thank you so much, everyone, who has sent us questions. It really helps us, especially in a week like this week where we just couldn't think of an idea of what to do for the podcast. <laughs> so um, super appreciate that. It's really, uh, and we love to answer your questions. So yeah, we do. These have been like super insightful, and we love to be a part of your journey um, as you you know walk the, this creative path. Yeah, like we we don't know how to serve you without you directly telling us. Often. Yeah, like otherwise we're just talking about whatever problems we personally see in our own creative journey yeah and the questions that we get often make me reflect upon issues and and parts of our creative lives or which we haven't been addressing or that we need to address differently like it serves us in so many ways yeah it's awesome okay cool so the first question here is how do we approach the artist's journey when we have a day job that we love and have no intentions of leaving i'm a teacher and a hundred percent feel like it's my calling my magic but i still want to create and have an abundant creative life i feel like since i have no desire to quit my day job i'm not a real artist and i don't have as concrete goals as many other artists would love to hear your thoughts on that well first of all and of course you're a real artist a hundred percent you are the realest of the real artists if you are called to create art and you are creating like there's no more qualifications than you need but than that and also like something you've touched on in your question is that your work is art like what you're doing um as a teacher is art in its own way too mm. um so don't discount that yeah I just want to remind everyone of, of our definition of art. It's anything that we create which connects to other people. And that's, so that's a very, that's Seth Godin's um, definition of art. And I choose to partake in that. It's creation that connects. 100%. But then also, if you know, if you're thinking as well that you want to create or be more traditionally thought of as art, mm. um, and you want to do that alongside your profession, then amazing like you yeah we have so many narratives about what it means to be an artist there's so many stories and the ones that you know we're most vulnerable to are gonna you know soak into our skin so the story here is that you have to be full-time in order to be a serious artist and there's no way that that's true i love that you know that teaching is a part of your calling and and that in no way negates the fact that art is also your calling and there is totally ways to you know you're almost a multidisciplinary artist you know you have two callings and it's so beautiful like how can you manage both of them how can you balance both of them that's the question and we did a podcast on this the other week about multidisciplinary artists and that's how i see you as someone who's just got to balance the two and figure out how to serve both of them yeah and you know if if you want to seriously pursue the uh, more creative art side of your art then that's just something like just as we always say like that's just something you can integrate into your schedule you don't have to be doing it 12 hours a day you can just even if you're only doing it 10 hours a day that's totally fine a week you mean yeah, sorry. Well, 10, no, hours. Oh, oh. 10 hours a day. If you're not doing it 10 hours oh, a day. Oh, sorry, you're yeah. not doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally fine. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the first job um, first job for you to do is to realize and to start taking yourself seriously and to understand that being serious about your art doesn't mean the amount of time you're putting in. You know, hustle culture and capitalism and all these stories will convince us that if we take something seriously, that means, you know, that we're breaking our backs over it, that we're giving all our hours to it. Like, that's just not how, how we should define taking something seriously. Um, for me, taking my art seriously means it's just I'm showing up in some way each day and sometimes that's only for 10 or 15 minutes, but I'm showing up each day and for me that means I'm taking my art seriously. Yeah, and you know, Amy is a professional creator, so it's mm. like just the fact that 
Amy's showing up 10 to 15 minutes a day doesn't mean she's not a professional creator. And yeah. just the same way for you, if you only do your art 10, minute, 10 15 minutes a week, you can, you're still a creator. Yeah. Like that, that's enough. That's more than enough. Yeah. I think the, the first job is to get over that story that, that you aren't because you are. Yeah. And just because just the end of your question where you're talking about um, not having concrete goals as an artist, and that's also, you know, that's totally fine. Like we, we often talk about finishing projects and how important it is to finish projects. But at the end of the day, like that's, you know, that doesn't have to be you. No. If you, I mean, I think if you, I think if you want your art to be a career, if you want your art to be your profession, then finishing projects is really important. Yeah. But if art's just this really fun, enjoyable thing you do on the side, then it's different. But I, I, disagree, I disagree with where you're going with this because I'm seeing this creator taking it seriously. So I do think that this person needs to finish projects because, again, we're taking it seriously. Um, I, I know. I think that they should. So I think, just to rephrase, I think that they should be finishing projects. But it's like if they, if they don't have a concrete goal right now, it's like right, yeah. you can still be an artist and not have a concrete goal right now. Maybe you should, that's something you should be working towards, having some kind of concrete goal. We're really a goal-obsessed culture and yeah. it's a shame. And like I think a lot of us feel so like, oh, my God, I don't know where I'm going. What am I doing? I have no goals because so much of society tells us that we should be goal-oriented and we should always be working towards something in particular rather than allowing curiosity and play to lead us places. And they will always lead us places. And I think like what we're saying in trying to create irregularly is then your process, then that makes you process driven. So mm. it's like, and the finishing, finishing things will come. Like, even if you don't have a big goal to create, like I want to do this. It's like, if you turn up and create every day, things will fall into place for you. You will finish stuff. You'll have projects come to completion. Even if you didn't really have what that project was going to be in mind. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Next question. How long do you spend planning your novels, I'm guessing? How do you know the difference between not finishing and reworking significantly, realizing your idea has some odor of bullshit? So sort of two parts here. The, the first part, how long do we spend planning? Um, I can literally tell you exactly about a month. Mm. I mean, that's just how I, I work. I, I When I'm planning a novel, I'll do one chapter or well, a page of planning a day, which really roughly equates to a chapter. And then after 20 to 30 days, you've got 20 to 30 chapters of a book planned. A lot of people ask me whether I plan, and I do plan. Um, I, I need some structure, and I often disobey the structure, like radically disobey the structure that I set out for myself. But I, I find it a really imaginative process, and it's a really important part of it for me. I don't love winging it. I find that I often just, you know, my first book, I I, I winged it. I wonged it. Wung it. I wung it. Um, and it took me so long to write. I had no direction and it felt very confusing for me. So I always do designate time to plan, even if it's nonfiction. I just want to know a structure that I can follow and the rules that I can break if I need to break but them. You've got to, it's got to be the smallest part of the process. A hundred percent. You cannot be planning for as long as you're writing your first draft or like you can't, you just can't be like, you don't need to be, you're just holding yourself back there. Oh my God. Like. 100% same goes for research um, I speak to too many authors um, but this will go for a lot of other arts and um, crafts who just spend so much fucking time planning and researching and it is a form of perfectionism uh, it is a fear response they don't want to start doing the work because they're afraid that they're not good enough um, and you need to seriously ask yourself if you're someone who is addicted to the planning and research stage is this actually in benefit to my creation or am I holding myself back and am I afraid to start and see what I can create planning is just it's not as vulnerable it's not as um, scary as mm -hmm. actually 
doing the project and i i want to acknowledge that like it's almost you get so much a lot of fun out of planning with none of the stress and that's i think why a lot of us stay in the planning stage for so long such like taking the leap taking the step to actually starting the project is way scarier but in the end is way more rewarding 100 percent. i couldn't have said that better myself like the planning stage is so much safer it's all the ideation it's an incredibly fun stage for a lot of us um but it's safe and too many creators stay in that planning stage and they project hop and project hop from planning stage to planning stage with no action ever taken and that is a fear response and you need to look at that if that's something that's happening for you so then the second part of the question which is how do you know the difference between not finishing and reworking significantly slash realizing your idea has some other bullshit so like when do we know to cut off the project and like we follow the 80 percent rule um Usually that's, that would be my advice to you. It's like when you think it's 80% done, it's probably done. Yeah. So yeah, I will finish a draft. Um, I finish a draft probably more shittily than James does. Like I, I'm so over my perfectionist stories. Like I'm very scrappy as a creator. So I will finish at the 75 to 80% mark. And I, we then- Do you mean you'll finish a novel at the 75 yeah. yeah, sorry. Or any project uh, with the realization that meddling and trying to, finesse it trying to perfect it i'm just gonna fuck with it and i don't i'm not the best judge of my work once i've hit the 80 percent mark like that's all i can give and the logic behind this is that you actually you i'm not saying you specifically you as in people are really generally bad judges at what 100 percent is you probably don't know what 100 percent is it also doesn't exist it doesn't exist exactly and it's like uh the odds of you making your project worse are after what you conceive of as the 80 percent mark like then it becomes diminishing returns or it becomes negative returns because like you might be making you might just be tinkering in a bad way after that and i think you've just got to give in to the fact that it's 80 percent done i don't mean like leave 20 percent of your spelling mistakes in i mean like when you've want you, to do another draft yeah i feel like it's like there's a difference between 80 percent done of like the concept and the the art versus like then the muggle stuff like the grammar and the spelling like yeah or whatever you can get that you can get that as close to done as you want but mm-hmm. then the actual like artistic side of it like the part you can't pay someone else to do for you Mm. is 80 percent. yeah yeah i agree and i i almost feel like this question is asking like when uh do you quit and like can you quit a project uh is this you like i'm not i I feel like i didn't read this question right but when i read it i thought they were asking like when do you quit a project or when do you realize that it just needs a little bit more reworking like when do you give up which is an interesting question in itself yeah i don't even know if we still have our should you quit podcast on the on apple on the service i don't think we do maybe i'll repost that next week sometime um but there is definitely a time and a place to quit a project definitely i don't think it's um i mean it's hard it's i I don't think it's like um when you're close to done Mm. i think it's like maybe in the beginning stages i mean obviously as you know we're, we're really massive advocates for completing projects we are and I think it's, in many cases, important to follow through on, through on projects. But it's like, when do you... I think also, like, you got to just f- figure out if a project is causing you more pain than it's causing you joy yes. consistently over a long period of time. Like, maybe it's worth... Time to put it aside. Time to put it aside. But, but like, it's it's a fine line, isn't it? Because You have to... This decision, like, quitting is so useful. And, like, I'm so such a believer in quitting. Um, as a tool to make more space for more art and more projects to be finished. Um, but 
at the same time, like as as you said, like we are such big believers in finishing that project and the and understanding when to quit or when to push through is knowing yourself. And so for me, like I feel that I can utilize quitting in a really healthy way because I know myself and if I have an inclination to quit something I can inspect and introspect and ask myself is this a fear response is this a reasonable response is this about conserving energy is this about putting more energy towards a different creative project or am I just afraid am I just being a perfectionist am I just engaging in um, limiting beliefs and because I'm able to ask myself those questions I feel I'm able to healthily say yes I can quit or no I need to finish this project or if if you're feeling really negatively about a project and you're and you've been spending a lot of time working on it maybe it's a sign that you don't need to do that 12th draft oh my god just just stop and it's done Mm. yeah oh people if you are specifically writers novelists non-fiction fiction whatever your craft is there if you are going through um a draft and you are changing word choices sentence to sentence just stop stop word choice changing is a really clear sign that you are meddling too far yeah, um, things like you know, cutting single yeah cutting single words, like rearranging sentences in paragraphs that, and then rearranging them back again, and then um, you know tinkering with titles and things yeah, like that. Just, it's, a, it's a good sign. Just stop. I think if if you're going through and you're not, once you get to that throughout phase in your work where you're going through and you're just like, oh, I need to wholesale make changes in each in every chapter. Once you're past that stage and you're going, I'm just literally finding tiny things. It's not worth it anymore. Yeah. Because no one else is going to notice it like you do. Yeah, 100%. I need to take my own advice there. Yeah, you do. You're at that stage right now. Okay. Next question. How do we feel about starting creating at 35? It feels too late. I mean, you know what we're going to say right now. Um, it is in absolutely no way. In, like, fuck no. It is just not late. It's not too late. I know why it feels too late, but that is a narrative that is just holding you back from like a profound and abundant creative career. One hundred percent. Like, there's no. First of all, you're thirty-five. Is a totally arbitrary age. Like, you. I mean, I started writing a lot later than later than Amy. Like, I started writing at twenty-six, um, and it's like. Within a you know within a year I was in I was in the groove like I was it's just like mm. there's nothing that I think starting at 24 would have given me or 22 or 20 like sure I'd have probably written more books now but would I have I don't think I maybe I wouldn't have been in the right place like mm. I think actually I think it would have been a disaster for me to start younger than that and if anything like I started at the perfect time for me to start yeah it's not like yeah. like your your post about the Olympics the other day Amy yeah it's I was like, about to talk about that you're not an athlete you don't like you're not you're not your fast twitch muscles don't start decaying after 30, you know, like Mm. your ability to build muscle mass doesn't start declining. You know, it's like, sorry, it does, but your ability to to build brain writing mass or art mass in your Mm. brain is not declining. Like you can still do it at any age. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was literally just about to compare us and our crafts and artists to sportsmen. And I've just been thinking over the, over the last, um, few weeks as the olympics have been on how frequently artists look at our journeys exactly like sportsmen we think we're running out of time just like sportsmen are running out of time we think we have to hit our peak in our 20s just like sportsmen do we think we have to win gold like there's so many stories that we learn from these like you know olympic greats that 
it's bullshit and it's just not relevant to the creative journey at all um and so 35 is it's just like it's the perfect age just as james said he came to writing at the exact right age and if you are 35 or if you are 75 whatever age it is that art is calling you and you're finally answering that call then this is the perfect time for you and this is the start of your journey um and if you like is the time is now this is something i've been trying to articulate to myself for a long time and i don't know if i'm going to do it justice here but you feel like you've left it too late in anything you do until you start doing it. And then once you start doing it, you forget that you didn't do it. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, so once, if you just start creating every day now, you'll immediately, you'll start to build that sense of satisfaction. You'll start to build that identity as a writer. And it doesn't matter that you weren't a writer for the first 35 years of your life. You will feel like, or whatever art your craft is, you will feel like that craft as soon as you start building that mm. consistent practice. And you'll, forget about this time where you didn't think of yourself as this creator like it will fade away like that's not, that's how our memories work like and that's how our projections work like we think oh it's too late now but then as soon as you step in it's like have you ever felt really lazy because you've just sat around all summer mm. and then as soon as you get back to work suddenly you feel like a productive busy person again and it's like mm. it's because our brains just there's no consistency there like we're just we just drop the feeling of being lazy as soon as we actually start doing something. It's like again. I was I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how if I haven't gone to the gym, like I have a regular gym routine and if I haven't gone for like, you know, a week, I'll be like, oh, I've wasted all this time. And then I have one session back and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Exactly. <laughs> I've just had one session back. That's what I mean. Like that. as soon as you just start to trust yourself and you just start to give yourself this practice, you're going to just immediately feel like you belong yeah you are you're gonna feel like you and it doesn't belong. mean there's not gonna be moments of doubt it doesn't mean there's not gonna be imposter syndrome but it's like there's just um it's just you will step into an identity that's more you and more an artist yeah sorry we just amy just had a fight <laughs> over the microphones because we're just getting used to these new microphones i hate when we're you push just... me away or like towards the microphones it's really annoying i'm like trying to instruct her on how close she should be and how far she should be at different moments. Oh, man. Um, it was really good. The, the mics are beautiful and I hope you can all enjoy the, the heightened quality of it unless I'm fucking up with my distance. You're not. Just like 1% One, here and there. Oh my God, I could really go for you right now. You can. You um, can I just you really want to, before we move on from this question, I really wanted to say that, um, you know, in a year's time, you know, a year is going to pass anyway. You know, time is going to pass anyway and you are 35 years old and what you have probably like, you know, I'm just going to pull an age out here. You probably have 55 years of creating ahead of you, maybe more. Um, and, you know, this time next year, if you start today, you'll have, you know, done a whole year of creating. And that's such a powerful and poignant thing. So it is not too late and it is definitely time to start. Uh, if you if you had said any age, I would, any age. I would say it's amazing like you know our parents are my parent my our parents are in their late 50s early 60s now and i just think you know look amy's dad starting out his journey as a poet i mean i know he's been writing poetry for a long time but really seriously stepping into that um you know approaching 60 and that's amazing it's like i'm gonna get my dad on here to talk to everyone uh, he's just, yeah, he's just started, he's taking his poetry seriously. And it is an fucking incredible thing to watch someone, you know, just older than us, 
start and take themselves so seriously. And I have absolutely no doubt that his the rest of his life is just going to be so much fuller. And, you know, the people around him are going to, you know, receive so much of his art and be so blessed by it. I mean, it's just so exciting. Like the age thing, we're so addicted to the ages that we're meant to be, you know, accomplished by. But it's so holding us back so much. Exactly. Okay. Next question. What do you think about crowdfunding and asking for money for your art? I think that this is like I think there's a stigma behind Kickstarter or um, crowdfunding and being like, oh, you're asking for something for nothing right now. But I think that's I don't I think that's just that's an old dynamic. Mm. I think Kickstarter and things things like it are, are a great um, tool that we can use. Um, I think you know, for example, one of my favorite books of the last five years, uh, well, I guess ten years now, um, "Long Way to a Small Angry Planet" by Becky Chambers was a Kickstarter project. Um, from friends and family and now you know it's a nebula winner now or she's a nebula winner now so it's like yeah it's incredible cool and i think it's awesome amanda palmer incredible example of an amazing kickstarter artist or patreon or anything like that has she started on kickstarter yeah Mm, so cool and now now she has patreon which is very similar it's like she's just got a patreon where she's like i will produce some art sometime 100 percent. i think if you haven't read the art of asking by amanda palmer then you really should this is a sign yeah it's Mm. a really beautiful beautiful book about asking for help as creatives um i'm 100 percent behind um kickstarters patreon asking for financial support from the people around you as an artist especially if they look like they're offering like i think that's something that a lot of us wish that our families and our friends would support us more in our creative journey if you feel like that's an option for you then like it's an amazing privilege and you should step into that yeah uh, there's so many money stories and, and cultural narratives that uh, have people blocked on this particular one. People don't want to seem like they're asking for charity a lot of the times. Uh, people feel deeply uncomfortable asking and, you know, sitting in that vulnerable place of asking to be supported. But if we can face-to-face those financial narratives, uh, those money stories and those invisible scripts that we've inherited from parents and society, then there's a space for us to create and be financially abundant without gatekeepers and you know how we feel about this like that means that you know the permission is given you know to you to do what you need to do and you're not going to be you know adhering to anyone and Amanda Palmer's story is very much about that she was signed by a record label they wanted her to create really specific things and she didn't want to she wanted to do what she wanted to do so she did a kickstarter project and she now she is supported by her fans and her fans only yeah I I mean I, I there's nothing noble more noble about uh, a major publisher or an art gallery or something or a record label no. picking you that's just that's the only world where that's more moral or noble is an arbitrary one like it's not there's nothing inherently about it which is better no definitely i think maybe the the, the issue comes with asking for money like mm. that maybe the stories around that why people have issues for it um but again that's that's a narrative that i really encourage you to look through and to unpack and to see where it's come from because it's holding you back i also think you know nowadays it's so easy just to throw up a squarespace site and to sell yeah um prints or to sell written work um that that's also an, if you're feeling like you don't want to do a crowdfunding project then just put something put out something there. out there yeah um put something small out there and see what happens yeah yeah i mean kickstart is great for when you need a big influx of cash yeah uh, to fund a project because you need the money to do the project. Um, whereas, well, obviously, we 
I mean, I try, I did Patreon for a little bit at the very beginning of my journey and it was such a beautiful way to be, and I felt very seen. Um, it wasn't very big, but I felt super seen by people supporting me as a creator. Um, but for us, it was so much more uh, financially beneficial to just sell <laughs> sell our products mm. rather than have people and that giving took some me time money. to figure out what how how to sell what to sell but yeah um it was good it was it was great yeah uh, um next thoughts on creativity becoming fast fashion artists becoming content creators this is a really interesting question um, there's so much chat now online particularly and there's a lot of anger about this idea that artists are now just content creators. They've lost the, you know, the dignity and integrity of what creators used to be. Um, you know, and arts now, it's just fast fashion. It's just easily consumed and chucked out. And I think there's definitely a conversation that needs to be had there, but it needs to be nuanced because I really uh, disagree with the idea that content creators are less, uh, are less than artists. Yeah, I think it's bullshit. I think it's glamorizing um, gatekeepers once again. I think it's mm. glamorizing the gallery and glamorizing the pedestal mm. that we put artists onto. Um, that's just the, those things were just a fact of the old world, and now we have new systems. And um, it's val- if it's connecting, it's valid. If people are consuming it, it's valid. If people are paying for it, it's valid. Um, if people are not paying for it, it's valid. Mm. As long as you, as the artist, are getting something out of it, and you're not um, people aren't stealing from you or people aren't. Uh, and you're finding ways to own your own work. 100%. I completely agree. Like, I just, I find I find it really icky when people are like, oh, these days creators are just, you know, social media influencers. It's a real, it's really bullshit. It's really elitist. It's really icky. But there is a conversation to be had about, um, like I made a post about it the other day about, you know, how fast the art cycle is on Instagram because Instagram is a, an instant uh, social media platform so art doesn't resurface so there's a pressure on artists to make new content all the time there's a conversation definitely needed to be had there we need to be resharing old art we need to be putting it on other platforms we need to be making sure that we are spread far and wide and we're not a slave to zuck yeah i think you know the more relevant conversation here is about burnout and about um feeling like you're being forced by an algorithm to produce at a certain rate and a certain number of things per week day week month year um that obviously can be really problematic and uh probably wouldn't ser- doesn't serve a lot of people's natural rhythms mm. um and then that's about trying to find a way to make that work for you definitely like we have we have to talk about social media and creators and how we can make it work for us and and how it, it manipulates us and and how it's affecting the way that you create like that needs to be a conversation but i would just encourage you all to be very aware of when someone starts just slamming content creators and and calling them content creators rather than calling them artists like you know i've been in a few situations where i've just been called a straight up influencer or a straight up content creator and i'm like fuck off it's so it's so rude to me like, just because... You know, if your notes were in a book published by Penguin, they wouldn't yes, call you Yes, exactly. Influencer. They wouldn't fucking dare. But what's the difference? Like, they would connect with fewer people. They wouldn't dare. Um, yeah, but this is the new world that we're navigating. But I think as creators and in the creative community, we have to be careful about that kind of language uh, while still holding a productive conversation about social media and how we create. You know, you as an artist, you can choose how you engage with that as well it's like yes i know there's pressure if you want to build a following to to post often but at the same time as amy said you can repost you can um share works in progress you can share your process like you don't have to be producing just the artwork and hundreds of them it's like if you want to work on a really big single piece of art 
like we're writers that's what we do you mm. know we, we're not we're not sharing our novels every day it's mm. like amy's sharing her process of how she's getting there that's what this whole journey has been about it's what this podcast is about it's like we're using one big artistic project and we're breaking it up into hundreds of chunks that we can share with you yeah definitely sharing the process has been incredibly healing and powerful thing for so many creators uh, in this new world of social media. And if you're not doing that, I highly encourage you to. Um, a lot of people can get very possessive over their process and I understand that. And I think that again, there's room for conversation there, particularly with visual artists, they can feel secretive or protective over their process. But again, I would encourage you just to investigate that gently to see and make sure that you're not uh, being kept small by some of those stories because witnessing artist process is just such a profound and magical thing to to see amazing um <laughs> final question my final question i threw in there emily asked this question and i i really wanted to answer answer it it was um do you recommend looking further into the enneagram i know you've spoken about enneagram before so I just wanted to throw this one in here because I could talk about the Enneagram system all day. Enneagram is a personality testing. Um, how do you de describe? Well, framework. Yeah, or... framework. Um, and it's basically the only one that I've ever come across that I really deeply resonate with. Um, and I've found it really helpful as a novel writer in terms of character work. And I found it really helpful to understand myself. Um, so if you are someone who is dealing with character work as an actor, or a novelist, playwright you know anyone who's telling stories i find this uh personality system really fascinating and it's also really helped to understand me as a person i'm an enneagram four james is an enneagram five um and for me i really just really resonate with it and it's really served me in understanding who i am enneagram four is a, a very classic artist creative highly sensitive highly emotional often ruled by our emotions um and enneagram five is an autistic person <laughs> and enneagram five is is curiosity led they often get extraordinarily interested in research very knowledge um focused people yeah just if anyone just know i'm referring to myself there as an autistic person <laughs> um yeah uh, my view of all this is that um, it's all just a it's a framework to look at yourself through. It's, it's a it's a window into introspection. Mm. Uh, none should never be taken as a as gospel. Like just same with all everything like from Myers Briggs to astrology. Like it's all just a way for you to think about yourself and to introspect and reflect on yourself. It's not like a rule book. No, definitely, and I like that you say that. It's a it's a window into the soul, and I do talk about it a lot because it has given me a really beautiful window into who I am, particularly with how driven I am through my emotions and how addicted I am to the highs and lows. Um, yeah. Yeah, Let's it's cool. I mean, Amy's, what's the book that you, oh, you love? I lent it out. I can put it into the show notes. Yeah, I, I read a really good book about the Enneagram and it was just like, honestly, it was really freaking good. James is trying to make me speak closer I'm just again. saying, how hard is it to just face your mouth to the microphone when you need to speak and then when you don't need to speak you pull your mouth back from the microphone i'm just saying i told you like two minutes before we got on that i was in a bad mood and now you're doing this i'm just saying i want the pure sound and this is a really classic four thing like i get into really bad moods <laughs> and i'm just like my my five is like there's a correct way to use the microphone <laughs> so we should do it the correct way and amy's like 
if there's a correct way, I'm going to do the opposite. Fours are also like often very rebellious and like they want to do things their way. This is the way we clash. If anyone wonders how Amy and I, everyone's always like, oh, I can't believe you guys can work together. It's amazing. I can never work with my spouse. It is great. But this sort of thing, this specific sort of thing, like right now I'm like, Amy, why are you breathing so loudly into the microphone? If you need to breathe, just breathe away from the microphone. <sighs> this is the sort of thing. Why don't you finish the podcast by yourself? Okay. I will. I'm done. <laughs> it's gonna, I'm just going to feed you some chips after this and you're going to feel better. I will. <laughs> okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Um, once again, send in all your questions. Love to answer them. Um, I really enjoyed this. It was good. It was fun. So I, it's, I find it much more... I, I feel like I'm talking to so, to someone, like a third person. I feel like we're doing an interview. I feel like you're in the room with us when yeah, we do this. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We're so grateful for your presence. Thanks. Bye.